Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Toyota Brookhaven services all makes and models. That could be why we were voted best service department the past two years. Come see why. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota Brookhaven, we deliver. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbard, along with Rhino in the Element Wealth Studio, guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music as we kick off a brand new week. What's up, Rhino? Howdy, howdy. All right, I have an announcement to make. I'm uh, I'm seriously considering changing jobs, getting a new job. You see. I'm going to go be a UPS driver because they make 170000 bucks a year. You see this? Oh, yeah. Good grief. Now, fortune, unfortunately, <laughs> see what I did there, is a bit left-leaning. No. <laughs> and the title of this article where they discuss this new deal UPS drivers' new 170k per year deal shows that unions and Joe Biden may just save the middle class after all. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh yeah! Oh, it's all because of Joe Biden, right? And uh, he's saving that middle class. It's so disgusting. It really is. Oh, gosh. Well, and then um, American Airlines. They got them a deal, too. A couple of weeks ago, the unions negotiated on their behalf. 15,000 pilots, they get immediate raises of 21%, with their compensation increasing more than 46% over this new four-year contract. That includes additional 401k contributions, and even a 5% raise next year, 4% 25, 3% 27. Wow. They voted more than 72% in favor of the new contract, 95% turnout. Imagine if we could get 95% turnout in political voting. That would be pretty cool. Meanwhile... Robert Reich, as Rush used to say. I'm so tired of the class warfare. And Bernie Sanders, you see him, he's popping up a lot more, isn't he? 
Robert Reich says, the Republican Party is anti-raising the wage, anti-child tax credit, anti-unemployment benefits, anti-taxing the rich, and anti-union. And we're supposed to believe this is the party of the working class. In other words, Mr. Reich, you believe that the purpose of government is just to confiscate the assets from one group, I call them the producers, and just hand them off out another door up there in Washington to what you'd have to deem as recipients. So we've got a producer class and a recipient class. Working class doesn't figure into that equation, Mr. Wright, because you assume that the people who oppose this, whose wealth you want to confiscate, don't work. It's insanity. And that's where he comes down. And what's really amazing when you look at this crap on social media... Rhino, this is what bothers me. And for for those that just can't fathom how Joe Biden could beat Donald Trump, all you have to do is go look at the comments from across the country. And I'm talking thousands of them. How they think. They are against anything that does not line their pockets. Republicans are destroying democracy. I don't understand how anyone would vote for them. We are all people and struggle to get along the best we can. What unless they have millions and they pay, and they, pardon me, poor dears are struggling to enhance the pile. I don't remember them sponsoring any legislation that would help the working man. I can't think of one single thing that the Republican Party stands for that I agree with. Not one. It's just unbelievable. They sure do have every working-class Republican on their side. Wake up! (laughs) The Republican voter base is the kind that cheers on rich people like Elon Musk, but is being gouged into poverty by the same people they voted for. And people wonder why I paint with such a broad brush when I discuss Democrats and Democrat voters. I hear you. I, I totally agree. Because in my mind, in my opinion, a Democrat voter is someone sitting there with their hand out. Just go and give it to me. I didn't do anything for it. I don't deserve it, but give it to me. Yeah, it seems like it. So many accurate and truthful statements on this post. Thank you, Robert Wright, for your political activision. Activision? What the heck's that? It's a video game company. And it's capitalized, too. Um and steadfast loyalty to our country. GOP's the party of the rich. If you are not, you are their stooge. They're not a party for America. They care nothing for our our country. Incredible. Incredible. Oh, gosh. Well, (laughs) the Republican Party is like an automobile in park. Unless it's shifted into reverse, either going nowhere or worse yet, taking us backwards. (laughs) This is what they think. And it's, it's effective. That's what's sad. It's effective. This stoking of class warfare is very effective, sadly. And somehow they've got people 
convinced that if we just go take more of that money away from those people that actually earned it, that we deem to be rich and not paying their fair share, we can then just give it all to you. Oh, but first, we got to skim off the top. We got, we got to line our own pockets in the process. That's the part they don't tell you about. Anti-taxing the rich, because Democrats truly do believe that all wealth, all income, originates with government. That it is the property of government. And whatever you're allowed to keep, it's just because of their generosity, their charity, their altruism. Here, keep some, have some. It's incredible. I just think that this sort of rhetoric, unfortunately, is uh, is hurting the country. And, I mean, it's no secret it's been headed in that direction. Bernie Sanders, he actually scolded Democrats. Says you're losing the working class, minority voters to the GOP. It's absurd. Course, it's almost like they've been making empty promises to the working class for the last, oh, I don't know, 60, 70 years. At least. And it's only getting worse. At least. It should be deeply worrying, the octogenarian says. That's what he is, isn't he? An octogenarian when you're in your Gotta be. Yeah. Democrats are losing support within the Latino communities and even among African-American men. That has got to change, not just for the well-being of the Democratic Party, but the future of our country. That's what old Bernie says. He, uh, he says he supports Biden's re-election, celebrated many of the policies of the current administration. However, he cajoled Democrats to embrace the economic populism he has preached for decades as a self-described democratic socialist. The Democrats, once and for all, must reject the corporate wing of the party. That's the only wing you got. And empower those who will create a grassroots, multiracial, generational, working-class party. This whole idea of working class always bothers me because it insinuates that if you're wealthy, you didn't work. Oh, they didn't work. They just woke up. Money was in the bank. They checked their bank account. Woohoo! Got money in there. I didn't do I didn't have to do anything. Just showed up one day and there was money in my account. That's literally the picture they paint. What I think we've got to do and improve on, and I mean dramatically, is we've got to to come up with an effective message for the idea and the concepts of freedom and free markets. That's where we're losing it. When you look at polls across our college campuses, where most college students have a negative view of capitalism and a favorable view of socialism, that may bother me more than any other statistic in this country. I just I just can't fathom it. And when you start knocking out opportunity for one and limiting one, you're limiting all. Make no mistake about it. It doesn't stop with just that. We're stepping aside for a break in the Element Well Studios. It's Dennis McDonough, Director of U.S. Veterans Affairs, next.
Now back to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Middays from the Element Well Studio. We welcome to the program now Dennis McDonough, Director of U.S. Veterans Affairs. Mr. Director, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. You bet. So we wanted to have you on to talk about the recently enacted PACT Act. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's an important law. It does two things. One is it says to Vietnam veterans who are exposed to Agent Orange, if you have a hypertension today, we can connect your hypertension to your service in Vietnam, meaning we could get you more benefits or more care at VA. The second thing it says is to the more than 4 million troopers who served in Central Command from 1991 with the liberation of Kuwait all the way through the summer of 2021 when the last troopers left Afghanistan, if you served in that area of responsibility any time, we may, during that those three years of war, we may be able to get you additional benefits and care as well. So we're urging those veterans to file a claim with VA, come in and see us at the VA, because we think that there's an opportunity because of your exposure to toxins during those two wars, that is to say Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, and during Vietnam, we can get you additional care, so we want to take care of our vets. Uh, Mr. McDonough, what was the genesis for uh, the PACT Act? How did this come about? You know, Republicans and Democrats in Congress have witnessed, uh, you know, over these 30 years of war in Iraq and Afghanistan and places like Somalia and Yemen, of course, Syria, uh, our guys come home and they develop uh, certain conditions. Some guys have asthma. Some guys have uh, sinusitis. Some guys even have developed cancers. And we know now that we're able to connect those conditions to the fact that our troopers were exposed to toxins, exposed to this particulate matter in the air, you know, during sandstorms in Iraq, for example. Uh, and since we can connect those things to our veteran service, uh, we now want to take care of our vets. So they've waited a long time for access to this care. Uh, we think they've waited long enough. So what brings you to the great state of Mississippi? Well, a lot of vets down here in Mississippi, and there's also a lot of vets who are rural uh, or what we call highly rural. You know, there's about 180,000 veterans in Mississippi. 87,000 of them live in rural settings. Uh, so, we, you know, we want to make sure we're doing everything we can to get care to veterans in those communities, especially. So I just left Greenwood where I met with a bunch of veterans hear about them with their experience uh, with getting care at VA. So uh, the soundings I get from uh, veterans down here in, in, in uh, Mississippi will help make sure that I'm in a better position uh, to serve them when I get back to Washington. It is part of your mission, sir, to just make sure that our veterans understand all of the benefits and the services that are available to them? There's no doubt about it. You know, there's about 19 million vets, Gerard, in the country, and we have a relationship with about, you know, 10 million of them. 
So that tells you that there's at least 9 million vets who we don't have a relationship with. Yeah. And why is that? Well, one, some vets may not know what's available to them. Two, maybe some vets came in and had a bad experience with VA because we kind of messed something up. Uh, and we want to urge them to come back uh, and give us another try. Three is some of our vets, you know, they're warriors, and they're worried more about their battle buddies than they are about themselves. So they think that if they apply, they're going to be taking something from somebody else. So me getting out here and making sure that I have a chance to talk to Mississippi vets uh, to remind them that, hey, you're not taking anything from anybody else. Uh, these are benefits that you have earned. We want to have a relationship with you, and so if we screwed this up in the past, let's make sure that we can fix it this time. Yes, yeah, a great point because uh, no secret there, there's not a lot of intersection between the two major parties in this country from a policy perspective. But this seems to be specifically veterans and veterans' benefits. This seems to be an area where there is congruence. Uh, that's definitely true. And, uh, you know, in fact, this new law that we just talked about a minute ago, the PACT Act, was passed overwhelmingly with support from Republicans and Democrats. And it's because uh, those leaders in Washington recognize the great sacrifices that our troopers have made yeah. for us over the years. And, you know, I sometimes say to people that what I witness when, I, when I'm when i in Washington is a lot of times uh, members of Congress would like to vote twice or three times for vets mm. because they feel so strongly for mm. them. And so I feel particular responsibility now that we have these authorities, now that we have this these investments, I feel a particular responsibility to get it, to get out and make sure that all vets know what's available to them. A couple of things that I guess have, have uh, been highlighted vis-a-vis uh, -vis veterans the last few years is homelessness of our veterans and, of course, mental health of our vets. Yeah, those are two of our uh, main priorities. Our number one priority is to end veteran suicide. Right. And it's just too often uh, still even though we've made good progress in the last several years, year-on-year -year reduction, there's still too many veterans uh, who, at a time of, you know, darkness, uh, choose suicide. So we're in working. The, the most interesting thing recently we're starting to do, including here in Mississippi, is working with local organizations who know their veterans best and investing in them uh, in the kinds of programming that will make sure that veterans know that they're not alone. Uh, so that could mean, you know, recreational therapy. That could mean, obviously, traditional mental health care. But it can also mean, uh, you know, new things like, uh, as I said, recreational therapy, uh, even things like uh, service dogs and equine therapy, working with in rural settings with uh, horses. So we're testing everything to make sure that we leave no stone unturned on that. On homelessness, last year we promised to get 38,000 homeless vets permanently housed. We met that number. In fact, we permanently housed last year across the country 40,400 veterans. Wow. And we're going to do the same number this year, 38,000. Halfway through the year, we just have the numbers through June. Uh, halfway through June, halfway through the year, that I say through June, we're on our way to meet that number. Now, that's exciting, but it's also heartbreaking that we have to keep doing that. But you know what? We're going to keep doing it until uh, there are no more homeless vets. Uh, so we get them all into houses and all with the quality of life that they've earned, given the great sacrifice they've made on our behalf. 
Uh, Dennis, if if we have vets listening, and I know we do, and they're they're interested in availing themselves of some of the services, how do they go about doing that? Where do they start? Great question. First of all, if you, if there are vets who are uh, or family members who are worried about somebody in their life in crisis, just dial nine eight eight, and then as a veteran, press one, and we'll get you connected to mental health professionals uh, immediately. So 988-PRESS-1. Uh, for veterans who are looking to learn more about something like the PACT Act or learn more about supportive services because of uh, homelessness, please visit us at, or give us a call at 1-800-MY-VA-411. That's 1-800-MY-VA-411. You know, we're traditionally picking up those calls within 10 seconds. Uh, so if you give us a call, we can start asking your questions today, and we can even start working with you to file a claim under something like the PACT Act. When um, a member of the Armed Forces is transitioning from active duty and, and thus to a vet, where should they start with uh, getting in contact with Veterans Affairs? Through the same systems? How does that work? Yeah, so there's two things to think about. One is there's something called the Transition Assistance Program, the TAP program. So that, that's a program that all of our transitioning vets, I gather your brother was a vet, yeah. is a vet. And so they all vets go through that programming. So that's one thing where we're going to be there on base with our transitioning vets. The second thing is we have something called Operation Solid Start. So over the course of the first year of a veteran's uh, transition, we're in touch with that veteran uh, two to three times to make sure that we're answering any question those vets have. Uh, and then third is, look, there's no limit uh, to this in terms of a veteran. Uh, we want to have a relationship with those vets over a lifetime. So they can always get us uh, just walking in at our VA facilities, seeing us at a vet center, which is a retail setting for them to get emergency counseling services, uh, or by uh, calling us at the number I said before. But we want to be with you on your base. As you're transitioning, making sure you know what's available to you and making sure you file your claim as you're transitioning. Uh, and then we'll be in touch with you directly during that first year of transition. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mr. McDonough, really appreciate you uh, joining us today, sir. And, and thanks so much for uh, coming to the great state of Mississippi and talking about uh, benefits available to our veterans. We, uh, we thank, thank them for their service. Unbelievable. Thank you so much for giving me some time. And I'm with you. Unbelievable what they've done for us. Yes, sir. Now it's time for us to do for them. I appreciate you very much. You bet. We're stepping aside for a break. We're in the Element Well studio. We're coming right back. Listening to Middays with Gerard, Gerard Gibbert, here on Super Talk, Mississippi. It's midnight, Cinderella, but don't you worry none. Cause I'm Peter, Peter, the pumpkin teener, and the party's just begun. Yes, your Prince Charming wasn't after all. Cause he sure seemed different right after the ball. I guess more than horses are turning down to rats. 
And by the way, he's walking. I can Welcome back, everyone. Middays from the Element Wealth Studio. It's a brand new week. It's Monday. We're going to be here all week except Thursday. I will be headed to my alma mater, the University of Mississippi Ole Miss, this coming Thursday. I am honored to be asked by my college fraternity to deliver uh, some remarks to the final groups on the night where the men going through fraternity rush will have to make their decision by midnight Thursday. They got to make a call. We're expecting to have four groups come through on Thursday, starting at four o'clock. And I am honored in that I've been asked by the fraternity. The grandmaster, the president, called me last week and said, "Would you mind coming up and making some remarks?" So I'm hoping I can say something that will persuade them in our direction. Looking forward to that. First time should be fun. Always seize an opportunity to address the young people in society. And this is our, our future. And uh, like I was saying in the in the first segment, we got to do a better job of selling the concepts, the value, the ideals of less government, of freedom, of lower taxes, and to not look to government as the panacea solution to every problem. And that's what resonates in Robert Reich's comments and Bernie Sanders' Democrat socialist leanings. All that's about, well, your life sucks, but we're going to make it better. And that's the same load of garbage as you indicated they've been selling for decades. When are they going to wake up and realize, no, only through... Economic growth, honestly, can your life improve. Government's job is to create the environment that stimulates economic growth. That's lower taxes, less regulation, less intrusion on your life, more economic freedom, more personal freedom. And dare I say, rugged individualism, which according to the left is racist. Remember last week we talked about the Portland, city of Portland, Oregon school district? No longer will they count off or even issue a zero for cheating on a test. In fact, they encourage it. That's how upside down this world is. Encouraging cheating. No more objective grading in large school districts across this country. You know, I, I think I told you I, I made, I guess you could say, the mistake on social media of clicking on a couple of videos from sources that I trust, not from these crazy left-wing nut-type posters, but from various um, parties whose philosophy I align with. And they're exposing this gender ideology nonsense that's going on in this country. And it, you know how the algorithm works. Once you watch a couple, then you just get bombarded with more of the same. I'm just blown away. i got to tell you, that happened over the weekend, and just out of curiosity, I kept digging into some of this stuff. 
I'm absolutely blown away. I, I can't even fathom it. One was, see if I can get this straight, a female, a biological female, had a child as the mother and then immediately transitioned to the father of the child after it was born. I can't even wrap my head around that. And a mother and a child who are of different biological sexes, and then transition. Like, the child boy went to be a female transition, and the mother went to be a male. And then on college campuses, which I've talked about before, I believe it's ground zero, because it's an indicator of where minds and hearts lie, at least for right now. I mean, people change, no doubt. But that's the future of our country. These are the impressionable 18 to 22, 23-year-olds. And I caught this video of, uh, of an individual, a more conservative-leaning speaker, that was addressing some students. And I had no idea there was this many transgender students on this campus, but they all decided to attend. And before he enters the room... It's one of those graduated classrooms, you know, with a solid work surface and the chairs the stadium around Stadium seating. Yeah, that, that sort of deal. It's, it's like a, a single work surface. It's just kind of in a semicircular shape that they all gather around. And, and they're wooden, I guess, or some sort of material on the top where when you pound them, it makes a lot of noise. <laughs> And before he enters the room, the video's got them all pounded. They all got masks on, of course. That's the first sign that they're loons. And they're all pounding the work surface. The F-word fascist. F-word fascist. Da, 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 just over and over again. And then walks in, and they get louder. And the pounds on the work surfaces get louder with more strength and energy. And one of them approaches, <laughs> and it's it's a female that's transitioned to a male, and she's all bent out of shape because he called her ma'am. It's sir just goes off on this tirade. I mean, it's just unbelievable. What is up? These are these people need they do need help. I just I'm convinced of it. It's a mental condition. It is sir. <laughs> and this person's 18, 18. And he keeps saying, ma'am, <laughs> and just goes crazy. I mean, I honestly thought kept easing closer that it was going to get physical. And they're just all standing up, you know, and, and joining in. It's, man, <laughs> good grief. What is up with that? And makes a comment that there's another one out in the audience that's female, that's transitioned to a male, and the female that's, yet, that's close to him yelling at him, demanding that he address her as sir, says, that person's more of a male than you are. <laughs> This is happening across this country. It's crazy, the stuff that's going on. And then I've seen some videos of detransitioners. They're starting to speak up, thankfully, about poor decisions they make. And they get treated with the same vitriol. 
That's exactly right. By their side, by the trans transgenders. You sell out. Right? Because you're speaking up about how this harmed them. And how now they have suicidal thoughts because they got talked into it. And especially by healthcare professionals. Oh, we gotta we gotta castrate you right now. I mean it's crazy. And and I've seen a couple of doctors who have done videos. Now, not medical doctors, by the way. I guess they are MDs because they're psychiatrists, right? So they're MDs. When you're a psychiatrist, don't you have to be an MD to be a psychiatrist? I thought you did. Psychologist, no. Psychiatrist, I believe you do. I always have a hard time getting those right. Yeah, I think psychologist, you're more of a scientist. And a psychiatrist, you're dispensing medicine and thus you're licensed as a medical doctor. And I saw a couple of them say that, oh, yeah, when they're four years old, they already know they're in the wrong body. You don't know squat when you're four years old. You don't know it when you're 12, I'm convinced. But just any hint of, it's not even confusion, it's just curiosity at that age. Oh, yeah, we got to take them in immediately and put them on puberty blockers. This is crazy. What's going on in this country? But the, you're right. The vitriol, the hostility, these are just unhappy, mean. With the emotional depth of a toddler. Seems like it. And then there's... That's why they throw tantrums. I guess. And then I've seen members of the LGBT community that don't want the IA to be part of you've seen this. They're objecting to that. But the other thing is, I know you show me some videos after the show sometimes of these furry people. What are they called? They're furries, yeah. Okay. Strange well, people. So now they're all mad, the LGBT people are, because at the furry conventions, they're seeing the pride flag. And they don't want the LGBTQ stuff conflated with the furry. <laughs> and it, But you know the problem is? It's all sexual related. All the furry stuff is like some sort of demented sexual fantasy at the end of the day. Usually boils down to it, yeah. <laughs> Golly. Well, we got a lot more to talk about today at 11.05. It's Frank Bordeaux, the chairman of the Mississippi GOP, with the report on the debate last week up in Milwaukee. He attended. And then the primary runoffs tomorrow. You're listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. We are back in the Element Well studio. Gene and Mendenhall, we were talking about this new contract that UPS drivers just cut their union. Gene says, meanwhile, the USPS, this post office, is stopping at every box and delivering just as much as UPS, and we're taking on pay cuts. We have a listener that wishes to remain anonymous, says, I work for UPS, 
and would have to work about 75 hours a week to reach that 170K. And crazy Uncle Joe had nothing to do with his contract. Okay, but the, what the report says, just a question, is that it's 145 up to 170. So the question is, what's the pay if you just work a, a standard, I guess, 40-hour week? That's the question. Bill in South Mississippi says, tell Rhino to please speak more of the truth. Right on, brother. I think that's when you declared uh, that the Democrats just didn't know what the hell they were doing, <laughs> something to that effect. Yeah, it's the the painting with a broad brush of Democrats and Democrat voters that will just sit there with their hand out. Knowing good and well they didn't do diddly squat to deserve any kind of help, but they want it anyways. So true. And, and honestly, so... These elected leaders, such as Biden and Sanders and Reich and others, they have persuaded so many in this country that that is the purpose of government. purpose of government is to just solve all your problems. And that starts with your pocketbook. And if we just went and taxed those rich people more, we could fix your problem. You know, the people that actually produce the most for society and pay the most taxes. It's a statistic worth repeating, folks. The top 1% pay more taxes in terms of dollars sent to the government than the bottom 95%. Not a statistic I'm making up. This is from the U.S. Department of Treasury. That's where I get this data. The top 50% of taxpayers paid 97.5% of taxes. The bottom 50% paid 2.5%. Yet, you've got Democrats who say, well, that's just not fair. Suggesting that we got to tax the top 50% more, the top 1% more. Meanwhile, this is crazy, but old Kamala Harris, if I can find it here, she goes on to the Twitter. You told me that's what we're calling it. Oh, yeah. Calling it Twitter. And she goes on to the Twitter, if I can find it. And, yeah, she says that, uh, coming up right now, give me a second. Yeah, President Joe Biden and I have already approved $116 billion in debt cancellation for 3.4 million Americans. We will continue fighting to ensure Americans can access high-quality post-secondary education without taking on the burden of unmanageable student loan debt. So they're going to manage your financial affairs for you. That's what they seek. We'll take care of that for you. But there's Something that just sticks out to me right off the bat when I read that first statement. President Joe Biden and I have already approved, et cetera, $116 billion in debt. That's not the way it's supposed to work. If the president and the vice president can just, with the swipe of a pen, wipe out $116 billion in debt, something's wrong in this country. That should never be the case. Never. That one person can just light a match to $116 billion. That's not the way it's supposed to work. She's taking victory laps on it, of course. And, sadly, 
A lot of people in this country, they're just lapping that up. That's a victory lap. They're praising it. Euphoric. On the ceasefire text line, it also insinuates this rhetoric that those in the working class can't move up to be in the wealthy class. Totally true. Exactly right. They'll want to tell you, oh, the system is rigged, it's blocked, you can't do this, can't do that. I say horse hockey. Get off your butt and do it. All the time you spend complaining about it, it's time you could be spending moving up that ladder. Nobody's keeping you. In fact, I submit, I see people on the right say this as well. I submit there are more opportunities, more ways to make it big economically than ever in our history. Ever. There just are. Unlimited number of tools, capital. All you got to do. How much money has Mr. Beast made making silly videos for YouTube? Good point. I just disagree with that. It's just they just want to complain because there's so many in government at a high level that have persuaded them to that nonsense. You just can't do it. You got to have us. Not true. We are stepping aside for Fox News and Super Talk News. It's top of the hour. Short show today. Ricky Matthews, Super Talk Outdoors at 12. But after the break, Frank Bordeaux, chairman of the Mississippi GOP. Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply deeply. and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone. Hour two of Middays from the Element Well Studio. We welcome to the program now Frank Bordeaux, chairman of the Mississippi Republican Party. Hey, Frank, how's it going? Good, my friend. How are you? Doing great. So start out by giving us uh, kind of a report from last week's uh, Republican presidential debate from Milwaukee, which also happens to be the uh, the site of the RNC convention, right, next year, where we will select uh, who will be our our candidate for president. That's coming up in that same town of Milwaukee. Yeah, Milwaukee's, uh, everybody's excited to be there. It's We've already moved in the RNC staff. It was a long week last week. That was also, not only did we have uh, the presidential debate, but we also had um, our RNC meeting and uh, a lot of work on the convention. So, but the debate was exciting. I think that Fox News did a, a, a great job as far as the layout of the venue. I think some of the questions were questionable. Uh, some of the candidates, I, I think, agreed with that. Yeah. Um, quite frankly, I think the winner of the debate was probably Donald Trump. I'm not sure that anybody did anything that really moved the needle. Yeah, and that's uh, pretty much what the reports are saying. He had a uh, fundraising boost on the heels of the debate as well, some seven million plus dollars brought into his campaign coffers since the debate yeah and and you've seen other candidates that's done very well fundraising wise uh nothing like what donald trump has done but nikki ailey had a really big bump i think uh vivek uh, a lot of folks are talking about vivek whether you agree with his foreign policy or not uh and then 
Uh, Ron DeSantis, Vivek actually, I think, gave Ron DeSantis a pass. He took a lot of the hits. A lot of folks, you know, the pundits thought that that was going to be DeSantis taking the hits, but I think uh, uh, Vivek uh, kind of asked for him a little bit. Yeah. Were you uh, a little surprised? I would say perhaps the the most heated moment, most contentious moment of the debate was the exchange between uh, Nikki Haley and uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, and they were they were positioned right next to each other as well. Uh, that got, uh, I guess, uh, just a little on up there, um, and it was over uh, Ramaswamy's ideas about foreign policy, as you indicated specifically, uh, how to end the war in uh, Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Nikki Haley, uh, she, she feels very strongly uh, on her position. I think a lot of people on the stage agreed uh, with her position, but Vivek's coming from a different perspective. You know, I, yeah. I think that uh, the younger generation doesn't remember the Cold War. And so yeah. I, I think that, uh, but there's going to be pivots on, on some of these issues. I think that, um, we'll find more out about these folks. We have two more debates coming up before the end of the year. Uh, one is going to be down here in the South. And so we're excited about that. Um, we, we, the next one's scheduled for, I think, September 25th in California. Right. And then there will be one in the latter part of October, uh, probably in Alabama. Are you hearing about any candidates after the debate discussing dropping out of the race at this point, Frank? No, but as the debate schedule goes on, the threshold to get on the stage will increase and continue to increase. Uh, and so you're going to see folks, if they can't get their poll numbers up and they can't get the 50,000 unique donors, then they're not going to be invited on the stage I, I hold the hope, and I think a lot of our RNC members uh, have the same hope that that threshold continues to go up. Um, l- let's be honest. If we have a huge field come South Carolina, Trump's going to be the nominee. Yeah. And not that I'm opposed to that, but I do believe the field has to start narrowing uh, to give anybody a chance to compete with Trump. Yeah, and I think that's that's fairly typical, uh, the way these things progress through the cycle. I mean, that's the way it, it works out. You see, you start to see attrition, and then ultimately it becomes pretty clear who's going to emerge as the nominee. But if you had to put a bet on it today, you'd say it's going to be Donald Trump. No question about it. I mean, a lot of things can happen. The election cycle is a long election cycle. And I was one that was opposed to setting these rules and these thresholds when we started this a year ago with the debates. Hmm. I'm very proud that the RNC has put those in place, and they live by their rules. I mean, they're not bending on it. And so uh, I'm very proud to see that the RNC has done that. I was wrong on that issue. And um, uh, I think that it makes for a better process. Yeah. I, too, thought uh, a couple of the questions maybe were inappropriate or let's just say not necessary, didn't didn't really move the needle as far as uh, informing voters on candidates. One of them was about Mike Pence. I don't know how you felt about that. Hey, do you think Mike Pence acted appropriately on, on January 6th? I'm not sure if I thought that was appropriate with him standing there on the stage. What What did you think? I don't think that was appropriate. I think the UFO, the American yeah. voters, the Republican voters want to hear the, what these folks are going to do to move our country forward. And some of those questions obviously did not help in that process. Um, I think our, the debates will get better as they go on. Yeah. Um, 
And I think a lot of the, the questions, you know, were good, and it, but some of them just, I think, uh, brought up things that, uh, that the American voters and the Republican voters really don't care about. Yeah, I tend to agree. Now, we've got uh, primary runoff elections tomorrow. What are you tracking there in Mississippi? What are you tracking there? We got we got a little over 95 uh, races in the state, uh, 39 counties. So if you live in one of those 39 counties, please get out and vote. Uh, three legislative races that obviously we're keeping an eye on. Um, and so we just want folks to get out and vote, uh, in the Republican runoffs and, uh, let's move to November 7th. We're excited about November 7th. Yeah. The, uh, of course, the marquee race there, the, uh, features the governor, the top of the ticket, the governor's race. Uh, Brandon Presley made an announcement earlier today that he will make a major announcement concerning his campaign at 1 o'clock this afternoon. Are you familiar with that? You heard about that? I, I got noticed on that. I have not heard about that. Yeah, and I don't know what that – you didn't give any no, any indication of what the subject matter of that announcement may be, but uh, he he's, uh, seems to be focused on really trashing Governor Tate Reeves. Uh, what are you hearing out there? He's not talking about policies. He can't com- he can't attack the Republican Party and Governor Reeves for the the record that we have, and he really can't tell us anything that he would do different other than uh, expand the Medicaid. Yeah, you know, we as Republicans have never seen a tax cut we don't like, but we have been cutting taxes, uh, and we're going to do it responsibly. We're going to continue to do that. But the idea that you're going to expand government and cut taxes at the same time. That math doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. I don't care if you're a Mississippi Republican or a Mississippi Democrat. People understand that. And so pandering to the, you know, the lowest common denominator isn't going to work in Mississippi. Um, and I think Governor Reeves has, has a proven track record of cutting taxes. No question about it. Um, but we're going to keep on our message. We're going to keep talking about, uh, you know, the great policy successes we've had over the past three years. And Mississippi is moving forward. Uh, you know, Governor Reeves says it's Mississippi's uh, we have momentum. We do have momentum. Every day we see it in national newspapers. When I was traveling uh, out to Milwaukee, it's amazing the response. You know, we, we were in the Southern Regional meeting, and uh, my counterpart in Arkansas said, look, Mississippi's not the butt of the joke anymore. Uh, and that made me proud yeah. to, that other states are recognizing the success that we're having. Yeah, the accomplishments uh, in education are truly are monumental, remarkable, and that, you're right, has garnered national attention. I'm sure you heard about that uh, among your peers uh, in Milwaukee. No question about it. Uh, and, look, I was able to talk on a couple of panels. Uh, nobody can doubt the, the excitement that we have for what's going on in our state, whether it's the economy, job growth, job creation, investments in workforce, education gains. We've had unbelievable success over the past several years. And every time Brandon Presley hits Governor Reeves, he's hitting every Republican legislator. He's hitting the lieutenant governor. He's hitting the speaker. These are all of our accomplishments. And we're very proud of it. And you're getting, you know, it's, I get phone calls from House members and senators. What can we do to help? And so he's really mobilizing our uh, Republican base. And we're excited about it. We're getting phone calls daily at the headquarters. What can folks do to help? If you do want to help, if you want to sign wave, if you want to knock doors, if you want to do anything with regards to our race, go, uh, please email us at info at msgop.org. Uh, we'll put you to work.
Yeah, he. Um, uh, we got about a minute left, but one of the things I've noticed, Frank, is that he really tries to talk about Brandon Presley, position himself as I'm one of you. I'm just a common person, one of you sort of deal, and therefore I would be a better governor. I I don't really buy that, honestly. About thirty seconds. What do you think? No, you you can ask business owners in Louisiana what they think of uh, a Democrat that says I'm one of you, John <laughs> You know, I mean. That we have plenty of examples, and I've talked, spoken to many folks over in Louisiana that said, "Please don't let this guy get elected." We've gone through it. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Frank Bordeaux, Mississippi Chairman of the Grand Old Party, the GOP. We appreciate you joining us, Frank. We'll talk again soon. Thanks. Thank you, Gerard. Got it. We're coming right back, folks, in the Element Well Studio. Stay with us. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this. On Super Talk Mississippi. Let's do it. Randy and Starkville said, Henry Ford said, you only have to work half a day to be successful. Doesn't matter which 12 hours you work. I worked offshore drilling 23 years, then coached rugby 16 years. I detest healthy, lazy expletive that won't work. I think a lot of people feel that way, Randy. It's, you know, what bothers me, Rhino, is it. All this stuff about work-life balance. It's not that I'm opposed to that, but their idea of it is way more life and a whole lot less work. But they still want the same income. And anytime you introduce something that would help with that, it's, oh, no, it's taking my job, like the actors on strike getting upset that AI might be doing some of their work for them. Right. Like, I understand you don't want to give up your voice and let the studio just use your talents in AI, but if you want a better work-life balance, you'd be working a lot less. Yeah, uh, exactly. But And so, so many times we've talked about this delayed gratification, how that's just a, something they say which uh, originated in, in uh, uh, white European culture came to this country. It was colonized. Delayed gratification. And that's part of the problem. We, we've conditioned society. I say we. I'm talking about mainly these loons on the left that run our government. Oh, no, you're entitled to all that. you got to have all that immediately. I, I hearken back to the 2016 election. Hillary Clinton. I might be one of the only people in Mississippi that absolutely watched every single campaign speech she made because I'm always curious about what is the other side saying? What do they think? And more importantly, how do the audiences react? And every single speech had the same theme. Your life sucks, and I'm going to fix it. 
You don't have to watch the whole hour of, of nonsense coming out, drivel coming out of her mouth. It's just, your life sucks. Pokemon Go to the polls. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. Wow. So I've said many times on this program that of all the the newspapers and and journalistic productions in this country, the one that just stands out to me as the most left-wing is the Boston Globe. And you think about Massachusetts. Now, I don't know how many electoral votes Massachusetts has. What, eight, probably? Something like that? Because Boston's... I mean, it's got some big cities, Boston being one of them, the largest. Small state, physically. But I'm just guessing. Eleven. Oh, it's more than I thought. Okay, so... Just another example of that's a state you've got no chance of a Republican carrying. Just none. It's so far in favor of the Democrat. But I know I've talked about this before. They have a newsletter. I subscribe to this magazine. Uh, pardon me, this newspaper. I get it daily, digitally. But once or twice a week, they come out what they call the fast forward. <laughs> and... The subject of the email, the latest, which was released um, Friday afternoon, this past Friday afternoon, Trump is number one in presidential arrests. That's what the subject was. <laughs> and <laughs> they, uh, they're they taking a play on, on uh, what, what was it that Trump said about John McCain? I like... I like people that don't get captured or something like that. You remember what I'm talking about, which I did. I thought was inappropriate, honestly, but he said it. And so, making a play on that, the author of the newsletter, the, the weekly, or sometimes it's twice a week, fast forward, I like presidents who don't have mug shots. <laughs> That's what it says. <laughs> it doesn't seem to line up with a big chunk of the population. I mean, the dude made, what, $7 million exactly. just on mugshot merchandise? <laughs> and so, of course, it includes the now famous photo that's gone viral, probably will be the most shared photo, at least of a president, in our history. Donald Trump in that scowl on his face, a defiant look says, you don't think, this is the author, you don't think I'd pass up the chance to run the mugshot of the orange menace, did you? And in parentheses it says, in which he looks both orange and menacing. <laughs> oh, gosh. But it, it just goes on and on. And, and I'm only sharing this because this is the way most people in Massachusetts think. There's no doubt. No doubt about it. So... We got six electoral votes. They got 11 in a state that you could fit, what, about eight of in our borders from a geographic perspective, area perspective. Just goes on and on. And they're blasting this report of Trump's height and weight, 6'3", 215. They're saying he doesn't weigh 215, all that kind of stuff. This past April, he was 6'2". <laughs> 240, they go on to say. He falsified records about his about his height and weight. Wow. Uh, you know, it, it's fair criticism. The problem I have is you're like mom on Biden. Zero on Biden. 
Who is the current president? Zero curiosity whose cocaine it was that wound up in the White House. Just one of the many things they should be curious about. So true. Zero. Nothing about how this guy's run the country, run it into the ground to a great extent. Certainly made, I shouldn't say that, I, the optimistic person I am, I always believe our best days are ahead. But there's no question that his policies have knocked us back. How could you not acknowledge that? Certainly from an economic perspective. But yet he and Kamala are out there bragging about forgiving student loans. That's, the, that's their claim to fame. And all these stupid green energy credits, by the way, in the, um, in the Inflation Reduction Act, it turns out that no secret and no surprise, first solar. So they have, they have promised to, to uh, invest $2.8 billion in ma- new manufacturing and research uh, in the United States, but they've hit the subsidies jackpot, say the editors at the Wall Street Journal. The subsidy jackpot. So why is it okay to subsidize these big green corporations and they line their pockets and they don't produce squat and then they fail? Why is that okay? But anything that might issue in the form of tax credits to other businesses like fossil fuels businesses, organizations, oh, that's that's just unfair. It's because they're right. talking out of both sides of their mouth and their neck all at the same time. This is an Arizona-based company that obviously manufactures solar panels. $710 million of direct government subsidies. $710 million from subsidies. You think they're in favor of the Inflation Reduction Act? I can't imagine running a business where I just got checks from the government just because of the nature of my business. I'm in a favored business. Now, this is subsidies just send you money. Now, what the left will say is, well, we give Boeing a lot of money. Well, yeah, that's because they make stuff for the government. It's not like they just get money and stick it in their account. We buy the things that they make. Because I don't think the government would be very good at operating a manufacturer of, I don't know, jet fighters. So the private sector does that. They serve the taxpayer. Now, I'm not saying there's not a whole lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that's favorable to Boeing, but it's a little different when you're making something in exchange for government. You're a vendor to the government as opposed to, just send me money because I'm going to make solar panels. I'm probably not going to make it, but by gosh, we gave it the good old college try, and we're doing our part to produce a clean energy economy. No joke! And pay no attention to the economic impact of it, or, heck, pay no attention to the impact on the environment of having to manufacture these things. That's absolutely true. So, the the CEO, Mark Widmar of Solar, First Solar, he credits persistence and smart strategy. (laughs) Yeah, that is $710 million from the taxpayer. That'll make you well in a hurry. 
Oh, gosh. One trillion. One trillion in subsidies going to Biden's favorite companies. Oh, that's okay. That's noble. We're building a clean energy economy. The the hypocrisy and double standard here obviously incenses me. Uh, and it should every American, in my view. That is socialism to a great extent. Coming right back. Half an hour left. Stay with us. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. So we got a uh, hurricane right out in the Gulf. Looks like it's turning to the northeast, scheduled to impact the coast of Florida on Wednesday. It's the latest that I'm seeing. Is that what you see as well? That's what it looks like. Yeah, it's uh, looking mainly to the east, yeah. going a little bit north. But yeah, it looks like it's going to hit right there in the crook between the the peninsula and the Panhandle of Florida. Yeah. So we'll keep an eye on that. Also, um, in state news, local news, Shawaski Young, Democrat candidate for Secretary of State, announced that he is dropping out of the race due to health issues. And so we had a question on the ceasefire text line about how is that handled. You actually looked that up for us earlier, so... What's the next step there? Yeah, it's been reported that he will have to file an affidavit listing his reasoning, his his health care reasons for withdrawing from the race, and submit it to the State Board of Election Commissioners, I believe is the official title. Yeah, and something if, we never heard of before. If they accept that affidavit as being factual, then the Democrat Party would be able to put someone else on the ballot if they so choose. Okay. So that's the deal there. Um, I certainly hope Mr. Young uh, is okay from a health perspective. That uh, He says he, he – I mean, I'm not saying anything that's not public information in his press release that he suffers from hypertension, high blood pressure essentially, and he was having some issues with that and uh, needs to get that resolved and under control. So we, we, we wish him all the best. We, we uh, hope for a full um, health on his part. Idalia, right? Is the way you pronounce the name of this hurricane? Is that the, I've been saying it, Idalia. I, de- I don't know. Could go either like way. Like Idalia right? onion minus the V. <laughs> either way. Also, um, former Senator Representative Mac, oh, pardon me, Representative, not Senator, Representative Mac Huddleston passed away at the age of 79. He represented the Pontotoc area going back to 2008. He had been battling multiple myeloma 15 years in the legislature. Also, I believe he's a veterinarian. Isn't that right? Yeah. A veterinarian so, and a vet. Right, right. So we are. Didn't he fly helicopters in he Vietnam? He did in Vietnam, right. So the governor made uh, an interesting announcement on his social media, sending his condolences and said he represented the people of his district in the Pontotoc area with the same care and precision that he piloted the helicopters in Vietnam. And, wow, 
I, I've known some folks uh, in my life. I've met some folks that also were Huey helicopter pilots whose job was to transport troops into the what they call the LZs, the landing zones, usually taking fire when they're doing that, setting them down and then getting out of there, or picking up the wounded and transporting them. Supposedly, they weren't supposed to shoot at the helicopters with the big red crosses, but I don't uh, necessarily believe that they adhered and complied with those rules of engagement of war. What a brutal, brutal time in our history. I was thinking about that with Director of Veterans Affairs. Very honored to have Mr. McDonough, Dennis McDonough, on the program today. Thinking about that, you know, most of our World War II veterans now, are those that are still left with us, are in their 90s, over 100. Uh, a lot of the vets now that the Veterans Affairs deals with, of course, served in Vietnam, and they're in their 70s now. And Mr. Huddleston, certainly one of, of those, and we, uh, we said, yeah, yeah, the governor said Dr. Mack was one of the good guys. I met him in 2007 during his successful campaign for the Mississippi House. I don't remember a visit since then to Pontotoc County. There have been many when Dr. Mack wasn't there with me, a vet and a veteran. Uh, he just calls out the greatness of his service. Same from Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman, also Representative Missy McGee, had a featured a great, uh, in her post, a great photo of Mac Huddleston, Elton Mac Huddleston. Mac was how he was known, a U.S. Army aviator. This photo actually shows him landing on a what looks like a helipad out in the middle of the water there, and he at the controls. On a local basis, those of us in uh, the central Mississippi area were sorry to hear of the passing of Jim Butler. He, the husband of Madison Mayor Mary Hawkins Butler. Jim, Mr. Butler, was 74. He'd been battling illness for some time, and we're certainly sorry to hear of his passing as well. So two Mississippi notable figures passed away over the weekend. Mr. Shawaski Young dropping out of the race due to health conditions. We also had high school football in action Friday. Great coverage by our team. By the way, all these stories are on Super Top Mississippi News website. And this weekend, we open up college football, right? Gets underway. So I don't know that the weather is going to be very footballish-like, exactly. <laughs> but we're going to play football anyhow. CC in Senatobia says, how about the desperation from the Democrats to embed racism in people's minds? Three people died in Jacksonville. That was over the weekend, Jacksonville, Florida, supposedly at the hands of a racist white guy, and it's all over the news. They are screaming to high heaven about the racism. At least 40 people shot, and it's at least seven deaths in Chicago this weekend, and nothing, not a peep, had to look that info up, else I would have never known it. Apparently, murder is only bad if there's a racist element to it. Otherwise, murder is okay. Yeah, it's something we've discussed as well, uh, CC, under... Uh, on the program, I don't think there's any question that the shooter here, the killer, a young man, uh, 
was motivated by racism. I think that's pretty clear based on his writings, his ramblings, and information we now have. But there's also some reports that he's had some mental issues in the past, right? Which almost always is the case, is it not? When we have these, you would call this a mass shooting, I guess, with three people, certainly a random deal. But I totally agree. The violence that happens in America's largest cities that are run by Democrats, and I'm not saying there aren't some in Republican states as well, but typically it's in cities run by Democrats where they seem to turn a blind eye to crime. I noted, uh, which is something that I agree with CC is is um, hypocritical. I noted that Nordstrom's uh, great department store, American department store in downtown San Francisco, is closing up for good in downtown San Francisco. And there were some folks that went to social media to post some video of the closing. It's sad. I mean, truly sad when you think that such a high-quality American retail store just can't function, can't operate in a major American city. Just said the environment's not conducive to profitable, successful operations. That's a nice way of saying we can't deal with the crime. That's what that is. We're getting stolen blind. And authorities just, law enforcement, hands tied, just look the other way. Allow it to happen. It's truly a sad that a company just can't function. You you can't have a thriving economy without applying the rule of law. You just condone, encourage, justify, rationalize, look the other way when people just help themselves to other people's stuff. You can't have a thriving economy. Have they ever thought about that maybe as being the reason that the middle class, as the left wants to tell you, can't move up? Maybe it's because of that. Because if you think about who employs them, Dollar General said the other day that their biggest expense is shrinkage. I mean, it's insane how much money that's just walking out the door and they're shutting stores down all over the place as a result. That is insane. That that's just can't happen. But you don't see the president talking about that. But but there's no doubt, as Rhino, you and I have talked about, when you have a situation like we do in Florida, and, and by the way, we, we condemn it. It's terrible. It's inexcusable. It's abhorrent that someone would murder another human, period, but they do it solely for racial purposes? Yeah, but there's no doubt that to the left, unfortunately, that's like jackpot. They capitalize on that for selfish political gain. That is the height of selfishness, is that. I'm going to get some political firepower out of these shootings in Florida because they were racially motivated. No, they would rather pick on the people that are busy working their butt off making money because they're producing for society. They demonize them. Those are the villains in society. Unbelievable. We got the final segment coming right back in the Element Well studio. Stay with us.
Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk Mississippi. Middays, the final segment on this Monday. We got Ricky Matthews, Super Talk Outdoors, coming up after the news break at the top of the hour. The shooter had earlier been turned away from the campus of a historically black university before he went into the Dollar General. Thank God for the university's campus police. Yeah, it was right by an HBCU, as I recall, talking about down in Jacksonville. Chaos rules when the rules are not obeyed on the ceasefire text line. Chris from Oxford says, yeah, it was Dollar General. My, my bad. You're right, Chris, that reported that theft was having a significant impact on their gross margins. I said uh, Dollar General, but it was Dollar Tree. I guarantee you Dollar General's experiencing the same. It's not unique to, to them. It's across the whole dang country. They just won't enforce the law, and they at least tacitly encourage it. Huge portion of that money gets back into left, put back into left-leaning causes. It's a system of patronage, and there is no opposing equivalent. Yeah, it does seem that way, and again, watching some of these videos at these school board meetings is just mind-blowing when these parents stand before these school boards and read from the books in the schools. I'm appalled, i got to tell you. And I'm asking you guys, watch out for this in the schools across Mississippi, please. We don't want this garbage in our schools. This is crazy that we're exposing kids. And then they have this family-friendly drag queen shows in these schools across this country. And then you see the videos of these drag queens and what they're doing in front of, like, third graders. I can't fathom it. I really can't. I just can't. And the teachers are encouraging it. They're all on board with it. When I turn on the radio and immediately hear Gerard talking in a funny voice, I know he's quoting a Democrat, says Dwight. Probably the case there, Dwight. For effect, you know. AOC is livid that Trump is making money on his mugshot. She said a criminal should not be allowed to make money on their arrest, says Darren and Jackson. Yeah, the merch is going like crazy, isn't it? Seven million dollars and counting. Unbelievable. Randy and Starville sent an image of Trump's Trump's fingerprint, and it shows a hand flashing the old bird finger symbol. None of the accused, including Trump, were actually physically arrested. Well, I think that's because they surrendered, right? They gave they gave themselves up. Democrat playbook, they vote on emotion. It works, unfortunately, says Gary. It works on both sides, Gary. I and mean, there's nothing unique, I don't think, about emotion being the primary factor in a person's vote, whether they vote right or left. I just think that the Democrats are, frankly, better at tapping into those emotions 
uh, because... Well, it helps when you lie your rear end off. Agree, and make all these promises. Yeah, but I hear you. Uh, definitely there, Gary. Ben from Madison said, I hear you on the college student problems, but I would ask that what have Republicans done to garner more support from young people? I don't think Republicans can go in and dominate young people, but they certainly should do more to get more support there. Many issues that are important to young voters seem to be ignored by Republicans. Got to do more. Totally agree. You know, what I see is the problem there, Ben, is it's a contrast between we're going to give you freedom and we're going to give you opportunity. You're on your own. That doesn't sell. Unfortunately, what the Democrats say is we're going to forgive your loans. We're going to make sure you only work like three days a week. We're going to give you free child care. We're going to give you all kinds of child tax credits. We're going to tax the rich that you don't have to pay anything. We're going to guarantee your Social Security and Medicare, and you're not going to have to pay more into it. The rich people are going to cover that. I mean, just go down the list. That's why. So it's freedom and opportunity versus free stuff they don't have to pay for. Right. It's totally right. It's freedom versus free stuff. And what they think, most people, unfortunately, think short-term. Oh, gosh, free stuff now? You forgive my loan? And when I start working, I get all these credits. I'm not going to have to pay taxes. I get to keep all that. Wow. And you're going to guarantee my benefits. I don't have to worry about that 40 years from now because those rich people are going to cover it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. More. Except 40 years from now, it's all going to be kaput because the Democrats will run it in the ground just like they do everything else they touch. Unbelievable. And they just won't be honest about it. So I think, Ben, the key is, and this is certainly what I try to do whenever I'm afforded the opportunity to address the certainly uh, folks on college campuses, just be honest and, and share some of the truths, some of the economic truths and realities so that they, they get it that they hopefully get a better better insight into what is true and what is just fabricated promises that are idle and cannot be kept. I think that's the key. We got to do better with that message. Every every one of us do that value freedom. We are out of here today. Ricky Matthews next with Super, next with Super Talk Outdoors. We're back with you tomorrow. Stay safe and God bless everyone. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.